Well, this is the day the Lord has made. We gather to rejoice and to be glad in it. For any I haven't met, my name is Bill Birch. I'm one of the pastors here at Northside. And it's good to see folks gather both on site and worship as well as those who are joining us online. Our scripture lesson for the day comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen closely for God's word. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen. What's the magic word? The correct response depends upon the context. If it's a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat, then the magic word is abracadabra. In Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, it's open sesame, that unlocks the cave door, and in Cinderella, the fairy godmothers say, bippity-boppity-boo. Ask a child today, what's the magic word? And the response still depends upon the context. If they're asking for something, the magic word is, please. If they have received something, the magic word is, thank you. Please and thank you are magical, powerful words in the English lexicon, and children of God learn to use them early and often. But sometimes we forget. One evening, there was a family that was enjoying dinner together, and as they began the meal, the mother looked at her child and said, Daniel, make sure you eat your lima beans. Yes, ma'am. About halfway through the meal, she revisited the topic, looked at him and said, Daniel, eat your lima beans. Yes, ma'am, as he continued to build mountains out of his mashed potatoes. While the rest of the family was enjoying dessert, she looked at him a third time and said very sternly, Daniel Lee, eat your lima beans now. And he looked at her and said, well, mom, you don't have to be mean about it put some limas on a fork, shoved them in his mouth, and immediately spit them out. Looked at her indignantly and said, how do you expect me to eat these limas? They're cold. I'll allow you to let your imagination to fill in the next part of that scene. There are times every parent grumbles because their children are not only not grateful for what they do for them, sometimes they even complain about it. And so we as grandparents or parents begin sentences with the words, why when I was your age, and we will tell them how our generation had it so much rougher than theirs. In fact, I found a meme I wanted to share with the congregation today, a rare photograph of my parents on their way to school. I've heard that story. I may have told it a time or two. When I was your age, I walked five miles to school, uphill, both ways, in waist-deep snow, barefoot, while pulling a sled filled with a cord of wood with my teeth. And parents tell those stories, and children roll their eyes, and they tune out what they have to say. But you can make a pretty strong case that beginning with the baby boomer generation after World War II 
two, Americans have increasingly spoiled their children. And not just spoiled, spoiled rotten. And I stand before you today as one who was spoiled and who has done my share of spoiling in turn. But there is a subtle danger in prosperity of having not only wants but also needs met. If we're not careful, it can cultivate a real sense of ingratitude and a false sense of security. And we forget how to be a thankful people. I truly believe one of the great challenges, not only of our culture, but also of the contemporary church, is an attitude of ingratitude. Rather than focusing upon the blessings that are ours, we instead complain about the inconveniences. Most of us as children heard that fairy tale about the princess who claimed to be royalty and was visiting a castle, but they weren't quite sure if she really was royal. So that evening, as she prepared for bed, they provided mattress upon top of mattress upon top of mattress for her to sleep, but underneath the bottom mattress they slipped a pea because they knew if she was royalty, this would bother her. And sure enough, the next morning she awoke and they asked, how did you sleep? She said, I tossed and turned all night because there was such a huge lump in the mattress. We might smile at the story of such royal sensibilities, but we can be prince or princess with a P as well. Almost every Thanksgiving, I like to go through a litany of questions with the congregation cast back over the past few weeks. Have you caught yourself at any moment complaining because the refrigerator was so full you could not find what you were looking for? You came home from the grocery and the pantry had so many cans in it, you did not have any place to put what you just bought. You get an online order and you unpack it and you have brand new clothes and you go to your closet and there's nowhere to hang them because of all the clothes already there. Or maybe when you get home today, your three car garage is so filled with stuff, you can't pull in. And we find ourselves complaining about the prosperity that is ours. Of course, it's nothing new. God's people have wrestled with this uh, since Scripture was written. Over and again, God's people struggle with the temptation of spiritual amnesia and thinking that we're self-sufficient. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt through 40 years in the wilderness and then to the River Jordan. And on the far side was the promised land that they'd looked forward to for decades. This was as far as Moses would go. He would die while having seen a glimpse of the promised land from Mount Nebo. And in Deuteronomy, he gives his last sermon to the people. And in chapter 8, he says this, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now think about 2021 and our community and where we live and hear the next words. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, 
And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then you will become proud and forget the Lord your God. That must have sounded ridiculous to the Israelites at the time. God had been with them every step of the way through the wilderness. How could they forget God? But sure enough, in the years to come, as they conquered the land and they intermarried among the peoples and they began to worship other gods, and after a while they forgot God and they forgot to be thankful. And one of the blessings of having an annual rhythm of thanksgiving in our country, in our culture, and in our church is a time for us to pause and reflect upon our own spiritual gratitude. And maybe it's a time when we need to relearn, along with our children and grandchildren, those magic words of please and of thank you. First of all, to say the word please. At the root word of the word please is the word plea. It is a request asking for something that we do not have. And at its heart, it is a recognition that there is a basic givenness to life. Infants, toddlers, and children intuitively understand this. Sometimes we as adults forget it, that everything we have is a gift. It's been given to us that God has given us life, given us abundant life, given us everlasting life. We didn't do anything to get it. It was given to us in turn. We have nothing. God gives us everything. And we need to be reminded of that because here's our sinful tendency as fallen human beings. We'd rather demand rather than ask, because we think we deserve it when all of life is grace that is given to us. Sam Jones was a well-known Methodist evangelist back in the 1800s, and he came to national prominence in St. Louis when he did a series of revivals. And there was one newspaper that covered the services, and when he became famous, they liked to brag, they made Sam Jones. Well, when Reverend Jones heard this report, he said, well, if they made me, tell them to make another one. We like to live with this illusion. We're self-made men. We're self-made women. Nothing could be further from the case. We are God-made men. We are God-made women. Saying the word please reminds us that everything we have, we have received. That God so loved the world that God gave. And whatever we have in our lives, God gave and we received. First magic word is please. The second magic word is thank you. If please recognizes that all of life is a gift, then thank you recognizes all of life is a response. That we are called as a grateful people to raise a hymn of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord who has given us everything to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. As Paul writes in Philippians, to rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. And we not only forget, but sometimes we're resistant to saying it. You've had this experience as a parent or a grandchild. Your child receives something and you say, what do you say? What do you say? 
what do you say? And the child refuses to utter those two simple words, thank you. And sometimes it's just being obstinate. Sometimes they're just being children. But sometimes there's this fallen tendency within us to say, why should I say thank you? I deserved it. You should have given it to me. I shouldn't have had to ask to begin with. Saying thank you reminds us of the posture we have with our Heavenly Father as God's children. That we are called to give thanks to God. And thanksgiving is such a cure to so much of our spiritual malaise in our lives to recognize the gifts, to recognize the giver, and to give thanks. And it's not only good for us, I can't help but think God takes pleasure in our thanksgiving as well, just as we do when others are grateful for what we've done for them. It was back in 1997, I had the opportunity to go on a church mission trip to Honduras and we flew into Tegucigalpa, which is an adventure in and of itself. Then we got on a bus, rode eight hours up into the Agalta Valley. And then from that base camp, we rode another hour up into the highlands to a small village that had never hosted a mission team before. Very, very primitive conditions. Annual income in that community was $400 a year. They lived in huts. There was no electricity, there was no running water, there was no sewage. There was a one-room, open-sided classroom where all the children gathered for school when the teacher visited the village. And we brought with us what we thought were simple supplies. Things like kickballs, soccer balls, pencil, paper, crayons. These kids acted like they were made of gold. And later the teacher told us they hadn't seen crayons in two years. At the end of the week, there was a very touching moment where we pulled out a bunch of boxes. We had everybody in the village sit down. We washed their feet. We dried them off and presented them with socks and with shoes. And for me, the children, it was the first time they had ever owned a pair of shoes. We left the next day, returned to Tegucigalpa, flew back to Miami, then to Atlanta, then got in a car and rode back home, got back late at night. And when I got out of the church van, I walked past the two cars in our garage, stepped over the riding toys my children had left out in the yard, went into the house, went upstairs to check on my sleeping children to kiss them goodnight, waded through the toys that were on the floor, past the closets that were filled with clothes and with shoes, went downstairs and opened a refrigerator that was stocked with food, had a late night supper, then took a long, hot shower and crawled into my king-size bed. And it was one of those moments, and you've had them, when you realize how much you have, how prosperous we are, and how easy it is to take it for granted and not to say thank you and even complain about the inconveniences of life. One of my favorite authors is Frederick Buechner. And he once said, we learn to praise God not by paying compliments, but by paying attention. That one sentence is worth your entire trip to church today. We don't praise God by paying compliments. We praise God by paying attention. I've count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Be overflowing with thankfulness. 
One of the first blessings a child learns in a Christian household is God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Recognizes three important aspects of faith. That God is great and God is good. That everything we have is a gift that elicits response. And that God provides us with the daily sustenance of life. We weren't created to be spoiled children, complaining about the inconveniences that are ours. We were called to be a people of gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness. And a people of God learn early and use often the two magic words, please and thank you. Let us pray. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies, Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. For the wonder of each hour, of the day and of the night, hill and vale and tree and flower, sun and moon and stars of light, Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. For the joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild, Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. And for thyself, best gift divine, to our world so freely given, for that great, great love of thine, peace on earth and joy in heaven. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. And the people of God say please and thank you and amen.